Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday, the 22nd of January. The recording comes live from Drung Church last week as we were looking at the beginning of John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 19 to 35, and those wonderful words uh, from John the Baptist about Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'll hand over to that service now and I'll join you for some announcements later. Good morning. Very warm welcome to uh, Drung Church this morning for our service of morning prayer. Uh, Last week was the first Sunday of Epiphany and we saw a great revealing uh, God lifting back the curtain in a sense and showing people who his son was. Uh, The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. God the Father spoke, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Jesus delighted to obey the Father. And we're going to sing about that Trinity now in this opening hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Let's uh, remain standing and sing together, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Trinity. Please do be seated. And just before our first Bible reading, a quick quiz for you, a Who Am I quiz. Uh, I'm someone from the Bible. Who am I? Any ideas? I'm someone from the Bible. Who am I? Yeah? Isaiah. Ooh, I've, I've got a beard. Uh, could be Isaiah, but I'm not Isaiah. Uh, let me see if I can give you another clue. I'm someone who speaks God's word from the Bible. Any, any other? Yeah? Elijah. Could be Elijah. No, I'm not Elijah. Any, any other ideas? Listen very carefully in this next reading and see if you can work out who I am from the Bible. Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who am I? Any ideas? Any other ideas? Who am I in this reading? It is a reading from Isaiah, but that's not who I am. John the Baptist, I'm hearing in the back there. I could well be, couldn't I? We'll find out more in our second reading, but there is this voice that John picks up these words of later on uh, in the second reading. It also is a, I'm not Jesus. Um, uh, that uh, he is mentioned there, isn't he, in this reading? A wonderful picture of the one who will provide double for our sins, the one who will cover our sins just as a, a piece of paper folded in half, an exact match, the Lord Jesus, an exact match for our sins. He will, he will cover our sins. And I, I love those verses at the end. Verse 10 speaks of the might of the Lord and verse 11 speaks of his gentleness. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. Isn't that the leader that you need, that I need? The one who is mighty and gentle. 
That's who we need. And he's the one who can provide an exact match for our sins. And so we're going to come to him now in confession on page one of the service card, confessing our sin to him. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Amen. Again, those words from Isaiah about Jesus, the one who provides double for all our sins. Because Jesus died for us to cover our sins, I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, if you're able to, please do stand to join in the responses at the bottom of page two of the service card. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord's name in our all-age song, Jesus, When You Died. And it speaks of that covering for sin in the second verse. All our shame was taken. And in the third verse, all our sin paid for. Uh, let's remain standing. Dorothy's going to help us to sing, Jesus, When You Died.
Please do be seated as we turn uh, now to prayer to Almighty God, beginning with the Lord's Prayer. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are the maker and upholder of all things. Day and night are yours, and you graciously give them to us. The night to rid us of the cares of the day, to refresh our weary bodies, to renew our natural strength. The day to summon us to new activities, to give us opportunity to glorify you, to serve others, to grow in knowledge and holiness. But one day above all days is made especially for your honour and our improvement. The Lord's Day reminds us of your rest from creation and of the resurrection of our Saviour. And so we pray today that you'd give us in rich abundance the blessings the Lord's Day was designed to give. May our hearts be fast bound against worldly thoughts or cares. Please flood our minds with peace beyond understanding. May our food be your precious word, and may our hearts be more knit to Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray today for all who suffer with depression or other mental illness. May each one get the help that they need. And we pray for wisdom and energy for all caring for them. Please help us all to better understand how we can help those who are suffering with depression. We thank you that the Lord Jesus has stepped into our world of darkness and has brought light that cannot be overcome. We praise you that on the day of Christ's return, you will wipe away every tear from every eye of those who trust in you. And that there'll be no more sickness of body or mind. Please remind us of this certain hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sovereign Lord, we continue to pray for the land of Ukraine. We're so sad of further attacks in the country, and we pray that you'd provide the Ukrainians with all that they need to keep going. You'd give them the resilience to keep going. We pray you would drive out the Russian forces and return that land to Ukrainian hands. We pray for peace in that land and pray that in this troubling time many would turn to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who is mighty and gentle, the one who brings comfort. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today for Warren and for Annalise as they prepare to return to England and as Annalise applies for her visa. Please, would you be near to them? We pray you'd provide work for Warren uh, that would help with that visa application. Please guide them and help them strengthen their marriage and look after them. I pray they'd be able to settle into a church quickly where they'll be fed from your word and looked after. Uh, please be near to them in this time and may they remain convinced that you work all things for the good of those who love you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for Leon Briardy and Olive Simmons, for Lucy Roberts, for David Riley, Maria Turnan, for Abby McDowell 
and pray that your grace would be sufficient for her and her family at the moment. Please be very near to them and give them your peace that passes understanding. Please be with Derek Fleming and bless all that's being done for him. Please be with Margaret Boyle and Sally Robbins and pray in your mercy Sally would be able to get home soon. In a moment of quiet, any others we know who are suffering at the moment. And we also remember those grieving and this week we remember especially the family and friends of Roy Ormiston, of Carrie Turner, of Anna Galligan, of Gavin Smith, of Gladys Mulligan. And we also remember the family and friends of Ashling Murphy as they've remembered her anniversary recently. And also the family and friends of Sue Hamill on her first <clears throat> anniversary tomorrow. Please be especially near to Essie and help her. In a moment of quiet, any others we know who are grieving at the moment? Lord Jesus, you were acquainted with grief. Please give your peace that passes understanding to all those who are grieving. You patiently endured suffering. Please help those suffering now to patiently endure their trials, knowing that you are at work for the good of those who love you. We pray that your good may include a sense of your presence with them, relief from pain and restoration to former health, that they may live the rest of their lives to your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We close our prayers by joining together in the Collect for the Day. It's on the front of the service sheet, and we'll pray this prayer together. Together we pray. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace, and in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'd like to look up there for the second Bible reading, it's in the Church Bibles on page 886, uh, or uh, John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34, on the, on the sheet there in front of you. And we've already had a, a, a bit of a guess who game. Uh, John starts this reading by telling us who he's not. And children, I'd like you to listen. Who does he say he's not? And then they have two guesses as to who he is. And I'd like you to tell me who they guess as to who, who they think he is. John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, 
the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, who did Jesus say he wasn't? Anyone get it? Yep. He said he's not the Christ. Who, did I say who did Jesus say he wasn't? Sorry. Who did John say he wasn't? Who did John say he wasn't? He said he wasn't the Christ. John says, I'm not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Okay, let's just get that clear. John said, I'm not the Christ. And then, who, what, what were the two guesses? What were the two guesses that the people made? What were they? Yeah. Elijah or the, or the prophet. Wasn't it? Two guesses. Are you Elijah or the prophet? We're going to think more about that reading in just a moment. But before then, we're going to sing about this Redeemer, the Lamb of God, as he was described in that reading, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this song speaks of God the Father giving his Son and the Spirit. So let's stand and sing number 112, There is a Redeemer.
Please do be seated as we turn to God's Word, and let's pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your Son. Thank you for what you've revealed about him by your Spirit in this reading this morning. Help us to get to know your Son better, and to get to know you better through this time this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, who are you? I was at a funeral this week and at the meal afterwards there were a couple of people talking and one said to the other, oh, how are you doing, Alan or whatever his name was? And uh, the other man said, how do you know me? Uh, and the other man said, well, you're, 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 just think about it for a moment, you'll, you'll work it out. And this man was really enjoying seeing the other man <laughs> squirm as he tried to work out who it was that, he was, that this man was. And uh, this man says, I don't know, no, I won't get it, I won't get it. And this man said, oh, you, you'll work it out, you'll work it out. And this carried on for a little while, and eventually uh, the man gave him a clue. And he went, ah, you're so-and-so. It was a bit of a game of uh, uh, guess who, who are you, the long, long forgotten friends. And it's a bit like that here this morning in the reading, who are you? John is asked, who are you, by these priests and Levites who've been sent by the Pharisees. Who are you? His answer's a bit strange, isn't it? He answers, I'm not the Christ. If someone who asks you who you are, you don't normally say, oh, I'm not the Taoiseach. I'm not the, I'm not the principal. I'm not the rector. I, I'm not the whoever it might be. I'm not. You tell them who you are, don't you? Why does he say, I'm not the Christ? Why does he answer like that? Well, because that's the most important thing about him, really. He's not the Christ, and Jesus is so much better. The crowds have been flocking to John, and they've been coming, they've been hearing God's word proclaimed, and people are wondering, are you the Christ? And so John has to clear that up, first of all. No, I'm not the Christ. He is so much greater than me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal, he says. He is the Christ. I'm not the Christ. Well, then there's a bit of a guess who game, isn't there? Are you Elijah, one of the great Old Testament prophets? No, I'm not him. All right, are you the prophet? That, that, that's the, the prophet like Moses who was to come. And uh, he says, no, I'm not him. Well, they, they get a bit fed up and they say, w would you just tell us plainly? We're, we're a bit fed up waiting. We've got to go back to the Pharisees and tell them who you are. So they say, verse 22, look, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you, who are you? Come on, reveal it to us, they say. And John answers them with words from our first reading from Isaiah 40 to tell us who he is. He is the one who is preparing the way for the Lord. The one who is coming is so important that in those words of Isaiah, every mountain should be flattened, every valley should be filled in, when a new king came to a, a city, they would have built a new road for him. And Isaiah and now John is saying, the one coming is so important that we really should do some cosmic rearranging. We should flatten the mountains and fill in all the valleys because the one coming is so important. We need to get ready for him. The one coming is, well, in those words of Isaiah, it's so wonderful, isn't it? He is mighty. 
Isaiah 40 verse 10, his arm rules for him, he's coming with might. But he's not only coming with might. Verse 11, he'll tend his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs in his arms. He's gentle. Isn't this the leader we need? The one who is mighty and gentle. And John says he's coming, he's coming. Get ready for him. Well, you'd think surely they'd now ask, well, where is he? And can you tell us more about him? Because we want to get to know him. But instead, they criticise and uh, complain about his ministry. So they say, well, why are you baptising then? If you're not the Christ or the prophet or, or Moses, why, or, or Elijah, why are you baptising? Verse 25. Why are you baptising? And to answer them, John acts, John says, well, I'm a bit like a, a signpost. Here's my signpost this morning. Uh, I'm a bit like a signpost that's pointing in two directions. And the first direction that John is pointing out when he's doing his baptising is to say, your hearts are unclean. That's why I'm baptising, because your hearts are unclean. The Messiah is coming. You need to get ready for him. Your hearts are unclean, you need to repent, to turn around. You need to say sorry to God for the way you've treated him and the way you've treated other people. And it's not just the things you've done, it's the things you haven't done that you should have done. He says your hearts are unclean, every impure thought, every unkind word. John the Baptist says who he is by baptising. Why is he baptising? He's baptising because your hearts are unclean. Now that was not a very popular message then, as it's not today, is it? We don't like to be told that our hearts are unclean. And do you know who it wound up the most? Who was the most wound up? We're told in verse 24 who it is. It's the Pharisees. The religious were the most wound up by being told their hearts were unclean. You see, the Pharisees had sent the priests and the Levites to come and investigate John. What really wound them up was the fact that John was saying everyone needed to repent. Everyone's hearts were unclean. They wouldn't have minded too much if, if John had just been baptising the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. That would have been okay, because everyone knew they were unclean, they didn't, that they were eating bacon. They were unclean. They, they were not keeping the food laws. But to call on the Jewish people who went to the synagogue every week, respectable people, to call them unclean, to tell them they needed to be baptised, that was very offensive. And the Pharisees didn't like it. But clearly the Jews, the Jewish people themselves, did like it. They knew their hearts were unclean. They knew they needed to be washed. And so they came out flocking to John the Baptist to be baptised by him because they knew it was true. Their hearts were unclean. But the religious Pharisees were angry about this. And when John saw them, we're told in Matthew's Gospel, he called them a brood of vipers. He called them directly to repent. He said, your hearts are unclean as well. Don't go presuming on your background just because you've got a good pedigree, a good background. Don't go presuming on that. John says, the reason I'm baptising is because your hearts are unclean. That's not a popular message, is it? But 
whether we like it or not, it is the only way to Jesus. At the beginning of every single gospel, we meet John the Baptist. You can't get to Jesus without going, first of all, through John the Baptist's message that you need to repent, that our hearts are unclean. But when you know that, when you know that your heart is unclean, there's good news because Jesus can do something about it. The, the, the sign is pointing in two directions uh, and the one way is saying unclean, but then the other is saying clean. Because John is coming to baptise because you're unclean, John is coming to baptise because there's someone coming who can make you clean. I wonder if you noticed what animal John describes Jesus as. Do you see verse 29? What does, what does John say? He says, behold the giraffe of God. What is it? Yep, the lamb of God. Behold, why does he call Jesus a lamb, do you think? Why does he call Jesus a lamb? Is it, does Jesus look particularly weak? He was a carpenter, he probably wasn't too weak looking. Why do you think he called him the lamb of God? Well, it's because many years earlier in the time of the Exodus, God's people had ended up as slaves in Egypt. And you remember God said, I will set my people free. And he sent the ten plagues on the land. And the, the last plague was the worst. It was the death of the firstborn son. And in every house there would have been a death. The eldest in the house. Who is it? And well, you have a look around in your families. Who's the eldest son? It would have been you. Your life on, on the top. Yep, that's it. You, 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 you know who it is? You're in trouble. Or you can kill a lamb instead. Not just any old lamb, not the three-legged one you want to get rid of, but, but a perfect lamb, a lamb without blemish. You can kill that lamb. Now, what will it be, families? I don't know, what do you think of your eldest son? <laughs> would, would you choose the lamb or the boy? I think we'd, we'd choose the lamb, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd, we'd kill the lamb instead, and then we'd put the blood on the doorposts, and then we'd be safe. Imagine it, it's that night in your, your house. There you are in Egypt. You're, you're Reuben, the eldest boy, good Jewish boy called Reuben. Uh, and you go to bed that night. The lamb has been killed. You've, you've eaten your roast lamb. Your belly is full. You know you've got a big journey the next day. But your dad hasn't put the blood on the doorposts yet. How are you feeling going to sleep? You can't get to sleep, can you? Because you know, if your dad doesn't put the blood on the doorposts, you're in terrible danger. Your life will be taken from you. And so you go downstairs and you say to your dad, Dad, um, yeah, you know we've, we've killed the lamb, but we haven't put the blood on the doorposts yet. Are you going to do that? Oh yeah, yeah, son, I won't forget that. Don't worry, I'll not forget that. It's too important. You go back up to bed and you try and sleep, try and you know, you're reassured by his word he's going to do it, but you know sometimes he forgets things, doesn't he? He's not getting any younger. And so you come downstairs again. Dad, have you done it yet? Have you put the... No, son, I'm watching the telly. <laughs> Match of the day's on. I'll do it after that. And you go back upstairs and you try and get to sleep. And you can't because, well, until that blood is on the doorpost, your life is in danger. And you go down and this time your dad, well, he knows he's not going to get any peace until he does it. And so he gets the blood out and he puts it on the doorposts of the house. And you know now you're safe because the lamb has died instead of you and you have trusted in that. You've put the blood on your doorposts. 
you're safe, you can get to sleep. Well, look what John calls Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just Reuben or whoever the eldest son was, but all those who turn to Jesus takes away your sin. The Lamb of God. That's why he's called the Lamb of God. He's the substitute. He steps into your place and mine to take away our sin, to, to turn us from being those who are unclean to those who are clean. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the best news in the world? When you know your heart is unclean, that you can have every uncleanness taken by Jesus, every impure thought, every unkind word, every good that you should have done, taken by him. How do we make benefit of that? Well, just as they put the blood on their doorposts, we don't need to paint the blood anymore on our doorposts. But we need to trust that that blood was shed for us on the cross of Calvary. That his blood was spilt instead of yours so that you can be forgiven. And if you trust him, if you take God at his word, he'll take away your sin. That line, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, would have reminded the people of another festival, not just the Passover, but the Day of Atonement. The day when there were two goats and uh, what happened was one of the goats was killed and the other goat had all of the sins of the people confessed onto its head and it was then driven out into the wilderness to be a picture of their sin being taken away from them, far away. And as Jesus died on the cross, he's the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, not into the wilderness, but to the cross, to the death, to the grave. He takes it away from us. It's worth asking this morning, isn't it? Have you let Jesus take away your sin? Or are you still holding on to it? Why wouldn't you let him take it? He's only too delighted to take your sin away. No other religion offers this. No other religion offers total forgiveness. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And look how complete the forgiveness is because it's not just that he takes away the sin. The end of verse 33, we're told, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. All that John could do was wash the outside. But Jesus can wash the inside. He can give us new hearts. It's a bit like this uh, boxing glove I've got here this morning. It's, uh, it's pretty powerless, isn't it? It, I mean, it couldn't do you much damage just as we wave it around here. But imagine instead, inside of this is not my hand, but Tyson Fury's hand. Suddenly, uh, there's a bit of damage that could be done with this, isn't there? Uh, the, you could rearrange your face. This glove suddenly could, uh, could do some, some pretty uh, impressive things. And it's a little bit like that for us. We're like the empty boxing glove by ourselves. Powerless to fight sin. 
powerless to say no to temptation. Why do you keep on doing the same things? The New Year's resolution's broken already. Why can we not do it? Because we're powerless. But when we receive God's Holy Spirit, it's like we're empowered to fight. To fight against sin, the world and the devil. To put to death ungodliness. Yes, we still fail, but we're in the fight. And sometimes we say no to temptation because of God's Spirit living inside of us, empowering us to fight. Total forgiveness and empowering. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sin and empowers you to live for him. Well, as we close, John the Baptist is baptizing because of two reasons. He's like a signpost. He's pointing two ways. He's pointing to say you're unclean, but he's pointing to say you can be made clean by the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. What difference will that make to us in the week ahead? Well, why not think for a moment about a particular sin that you are struggling with? A particular temptation, maybe it's selfishness, not being able to think about the interests of others, or greed, or gossip, or lust, or anger, whatever it might be. Just think, what's that thing that you're struggling with at the moment? Why not ask Jesus now to take that sin away, to take away the punishment, and to fill you with his spirit to empower you to fight against that sin? Let's have a moment of quiet to do just that now, and then I'll close in prayer. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, the Lord Jesus, who came to take away our sin, to die for us. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who empowers us to fight against sin, the world and the devil. Help us in the week ahead to know your help by your Spirit in our fight against sin. May we know total forgiveness and may we know your help in our fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn is one that reminds us of what we've been thinking about. Have a look at the words in the fourth verse. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. The Lamb of God who takes away our sins so we have no guilt and the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live for Christ. Let's stand and sing in Christ alone.
standing a final prayer no guilt in life no fear in death this is the power of Christ in me thank you Heavenly Father for our Lord Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world please may we live with no guilt in life and no fear in death and knowing your power at work in us and we close with the words of the grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Well, let me just uh, join you again to give you the, the announcements for this week. We've got our Bible study on Wednesday evening at 8.30, on Thursday, Stradone Tots and Toys in the morning and in touch in the afternoon at 3.30 till 5 p.m. Uh, we're back in church at the normal times next week. And I think that's, uh, that's it. So uh, God willing, I will see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.